What's up? This is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. First of all, Merry Kremlin and Happy Chrysler. It's the holidays, man. My favorite time of the year where you can uh, put on Home Alone with a little bit of eggnog. You could uh, watch some some great football because the playoffs are coming up. It's a beautiful time, man. The only thing that sucks is the weather changes, and with that comes sickness. And I've been under the weather for like a month now. It's been brutal, man. Uh, lost my voice to everything, so haven't been able to do like any podcasts or interviews because I sound, well, like the way I sound now. This is actually like a 100% upgrade of what I sounded like last week. So um, just doing my best to muster up the energy to bring you guys uh, at least this episode for the time being, man. And this was a huge honor. I did this episode about two, three weeks ago, and uh, you guys are going to be so stoked to hear it. I brought you guys the Philadelphia Eagles legend who was famously portrayed in the hit movie Invincible by Mark Wahlberg, Vince Papali. That's right, man. He is a true American icon, and to have him on at this time of the year when the Eagles are freaking killing it was uh, even better, man. Uh, the dude is, he's a legend, man. We talked about so many things, and um, I think if there's one thing I took away from the interview, man, is I could, if I can be as spirited and as humbled and as... Uh, enthusiastic as him at his age when I'm when I'm that age is man I consider myself lucky dude he's he truly is a great person man and for him to take the time to do this interview was great dude so I don't want to spoil the interview I want you guys to hear the great wisdom of Vince Papali so without further ado I bring to you guys the invincible star the Philadelphia Eagles legend fly Eagles fly Vince Papali Alternate take. What is up, you guys? We are back. We brought you guys a special guest. We brought you guys one of my childhood heroes and an absolute legend from the Philadelphia Eagles organization. We brought you guys Vince Papali. How you doing, sir? What's up, Danny? Doing great, thanks. How you doing, buddy? Ah, doing good. You know, it's uh, about eight in the morning over here, Southern California. It's, it's not a bad day. I'm talking to Vince Papali right now, so my day is doing all right. Yeah, how's things out there in Southern Cal? I'm over in uh, I'm in Philly right now, but I live in. In uh, South Florida, Jupiter, Florida. So we got hit with a couple of hurricanes, but all good. Oh yeah, I, I heard it was pretty rough out there. But Florida's a great place to live. You got you got to bet it out there than, than we do over here. It's a little crazy, but um, nonetheless, grateful to be here, uh, Mr. Polly. First of all, thank you for taking you know the time to do the interview. I know we've been talks about this for a while, so I really do appreciate that. Um, but uh, I always like to start it off with every interview I do. I always like to give the guests a little bit of time to talk about their childhood before we get to their successes. I always feel like that's a huge part of where they got to and why they got there. And uh, if you don't mind, sir, starting from the beginning, the early life of Vince Papali. Well, I only do that if you do one thing for me. You have to drop to Mr. and call me Vince, all right? <laughs> gotcha. Otherwise, I'll start calling you Mr. Rodriguez. <laughs> so <laughs> so let, let's get that right from the front. You got hey, it, let, Okay, you got it? All right, let me hear it. Come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> You got it, Vince. There it is. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I've got to be, you know, a funny thing. I this this is actually part of my history. Um, one of the reasons I am in the Philadelphia area in Philly right now. I'm in what they consider the, the Queen Village section of Philly. It's really cool. It's only a couple blocks from the uh where they signed the Declaration of Independence, in, in, Constitutional Hall and Independence Hall, that is, and, and also the Liberty Bell. But um, and there's cobblestone streets. Right right across the street, there's a cobblestone street that goes back to the 17, 1800s. I mean, it's really wow. cool part of the city. 
But, um, you know, uh, I, I guess to take it all the way back, I, I was just always a big Eagles fan. And, and um, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my mom and dad first. They were both uh, one of nine in their family. And um, they uh, they were both great athletes. My mother was actually a, a, prof- a professional baseball player right before World War II, traveling up and down the East Coast playing hardball, not league of their own softball, <laughs> but playing hardball, you know. And my dad was uh, was was a semi pro football player. He's a semi pro baseball player. Back in the day, you know, this is all before World War II, the Great Depression. Problem is, and that's the big word, the Great Depression is uh, they they had to actually drop out of school uh, after eighth grade and and help support the family. And then World War II hit, and they were part of that. My dad didn't go to World War II because he got lying as I as he was cleaning out the outhouse. They didn't have running water in the farm that he grew up on just right outside the Philadelphia International Airport. That was all farmland back then, you know, back before the war and actually after the war. So mom and dad never got beyond the eighth grade. And uh, they did what they had to do to support their families, both, again, one of nine, but both great athletes. And then they got married in 40, and they begat me whenever they did that. We grew up in a housing project. uh, And if you ever saw a picture of it from from above, it would look like a Monopoly board. You know, I mean, they were the kinds of houses that we grew up on. But it was really cool, Danny, because it was built on a golf course and and it was a circular it was a circular um development but right in the middle was a, a former fairway of one of the golf course that it was built on and and there was trees on one side and these trees eventually became where we had our swings and we would climb those trees and and do all that and then there was the, the there was a creek uh it was the muck and the pandas creek we didn't call it a creek you know on the other side of the tracks they were creeks but at our side of the tracks, it was the crick. And, uh, you know, it's just a whole bunch of guys were a whole bunch of boomers. You know, our fathers were working on the river uh, back then afterwards, you know, they, with, with at the end of World War II. And, and uh, you know, we we're part of that boomer um, group and the boomer babies and, you know, all born in the, all born in the late 40s, uh, early 50s. And um but the, the Philadelphia Eagles, man, they were they were my team. I loved it. And every every Sunday, my mother of English descent, um, my, her her grandfather was a miner actually in in Bristol, England, and my father was uh, my father came over in a boat in 1914 through Ellis Island from Naples and settled in suburban Philadelphia. They both settled in suburban Philadelphia. But every Sunday, my mom, being the the Brit that she was, would always have. A, at 12 o'clock right after church and we all had to go to church at uh, 12 o'clock right after church we had to um we had a spaghetti dinner and it all revolved around the eagles we were one of the first in our project to have a tv and they were it's not like it is now you know a cable <laughs> we had um we had the tv uh, can i just get can i you know, can i get this for a second believe it or not it's my son Vinny. go ahead go ahead yeah take it all right yo yo vin what's up Ramblewood. Yeah, right by Ramblewood on Church Avenue. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, he's he's expecting you. All right. Thanks. I'm on a podcast. Yeah. Say hi to Danny. This Vinny. All right. We'll see you later. Right. Bye. Love you. So that's uh, that's cool. That was my son Vinny. He's he's doing a pit stuff for me. He just got done working out. Vinny. Uh, he plays in the USFL and uh, he was with the Tampa Bay Bandits and they just got moved to Memphis and they're really excited about going to uh, the, the, the the city of music, you know, Memphis, Tennessee. Hell but anyway, yeah. 
every Sunday, you know, we had we had those TVs that had rabbit ears. Uh, and I don't, you have to look it up. I guess Google it up and Google up rabbit ears, you know, for TVs, but that's what it was. But everybody would come to our house and watch the Eagles. And there was this one guy on the team. His name was Tommy McDonald. And he was from Oklahoma. And back in the day when Bud Wilkinson was the coach for Oklahoma, they had like a 56 or 60 game win streak. They won four or five years without losing a football game. But Tommy was a little guy. I was a little guy. Uh, you know, my peak, I was six two, but Back then, I was I was tiny, and but really fast, you know. And, and just football was the thing. But here, here's what was going on, Danny. And and this, I think, was a development of my life. Is is uh, my mother um, started to uh, act a little bit different, and uh, she'd be walking around with a with a radio in her ear. They didn't back then. They didn't have transistor radios, any of that kind of stuff. And it turned out she had ringing of the ear uh, tinnitus. And, uh, and then, um, and then one day I'm coming home from school and I see an ambulance in front of our house. And, you know, there was stuff going on in our house and there was a lot of arguments between my mom and dad. And here it turned out my mom had the first of a couple of nervous breakdowns and, and, uh, she went in getting, going in and out of a mental hospital. And this is when I'm like 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it really had a tremendous impact on my life. Because, you know, it, it 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 almost just took me in a different, you know, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How am I going to release from all this? And it was sports that was my release. And But we needed a football team to play. I love football so bad. And, and so my dad actually started the football team while he was working at Westinghouse, trying to support the family on strike half the time. With, well, he said, you can be sure if it's Westinghouse, not Westinghouse back then. And, uh, but anyway, you know, we got through it. And, but as I'm going through all that and my dad's doing whatever he's doing, um, I had to, um, I had to cope. And the way I coped is I had teachers and coaches that took me under their wing. And I had one specifically, one was Marty Stern, who was a great track guy who became my track coach in junior high school. And then another coach and his name was George corner is my first phys ed teacher. And he, to, to this day is probably one of the main reasons why I, I wear this, you know, there's invincible, there's the Philadelphia Eagles and there's all this stuff around me. He believed in me and, and, and he really helped me through the toughest times that I've ever, ever had in my life. And, and, um, and the reason, and I asked him, you know, hey, why, why are you doing this coach? And he said, well, uh, and back then it was to, to have this mental, mental illness was a stigma back then. Now, you know, they, there's, there's help, there's all kinds of care and that kind of thing. But back then it was a stigma. I was being bullied because of it. And everybody's talking about my nutty mom. Nobody wanted to come to my house because a lot of times it was disheveled and uh, it was just the way it was. And that's how I came up. But I had that one guy that understood and empathized and sympathized with me because he'd been through it. And he's the one all the way through uh, that, that coached me. And then eventually um, when I got to high school and I, and I grew a little bit over five feet tall as a first year senior, he asked me to come out for the football team. And uh, when he saw my speed and and he saw how I catch the ball, he actually changed the offense to to, to have the offense tur turned into a passing game where our quarterback, who was a center previously, but he had, he had a great arm, he made him the quarterback, and and he wound up eventually setting all the passing records at the college <laughs> he went to and got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings, right? But I didn't get drafted by anybody. I didn't even get picked up in, in, in for any colleges because I was a first year senior. And, uh, you know, the scholarships were gone. So uh, by by luck on Father's Day, uh, the coach had asked me, he says, hey, come on out for the track team. I just got the track coaching job. 
And, and he says, I need you to come out for the track team. You're the fastest guy in school. And, and he said, I'll let you do anything you want to do. And I said, well, I'd love to pole vault. And uh, so I pole vaulted. And when you know it, on Father's Day, I, I hit 14.6 and the world's record was 16 feet. Wow. And, uh, and, but, and, but there were no scholarships available because I had done it late again, you know, but I was competing against all the guys in the city and, and I was the outsider from, uh, from the County Delaware County, which is right below the airport and heading into, into the state of Delaware. So there's this, on, on interstate 95, there's this Delaware County and, and, and that's where I was. But, um, on father's day, I was actually able to go up to my dad and say, Hey dad, happy father's day. We just got a, we got a scholarship to St. Joe's college. Uh, it was great, uh, wow. but the thing that they had a great basketball team, but they forgot football. They didn't have a foot. Danny didn't have a football team. So, you know, I did my six years. I did four years there. And then, uh, then Vietnam was hot and heavy and I was about ready to enlist in the service in the Marine Corps where I'm going to enlist in the, in, in the Air Force. Uh, because they both promised me that I'd run for their track team and I pole vault for them. And I'd also play on their football team. And uh, when you know it, my alma mater came to me and says, hey, we have a teaching job, get a get a teaching certificate and you can come back and teach and coach. So I got it. I got the certificate. I spent all summer uh, going to school and summer school and I got my certificate. And when you know it, I wound up becoming the head track coach at the high school that I went to wow. because my coach, George Corner, he, he wanted to retire and just be the football coach. So for six years. Um, I was their coach and I was working on my master's degree, trying to qualify for the Olympic trials and the decathlon. And the irony of this, Danny, is one of the reasons I'm back in Philly, too, aside from uh, a big dinner we went with with Coach Ramil. Now, that was Coach Ramil just called me as where I was looking down there. <laughs> uh, you know, we went here because he was being honored. Bless you. And uh <laughs> And, and so Coach Ramil, um, I mean, Coach uh, Coach Corner, uh, you, you know, he just guided me to the to this next level. And I wound up, he gave me, a, basically anointed me the, uh, the head track coaching job. And that's what I did for six years. And then, uh, you know, I got, you know, I was playing these rough touch legs and I wanted to play football. And there was this new league that was coming out called the World Football League. And, uh, and, and it got Larry Zonka, Jim Kick and Paul Warfield, who were, from then, the Super Bowl champion, they were Super Bowl champions with the Miami Dolphins, and they were able to lure them over uh, to give it some credibility. And when you know it, they had a free agent tryout for that league, and I wound up making it and starting in the World Football League. And that, that wow. wasn't mentioned in the movie. You know, that, that would have sort of softened up what was going on. But And, and ironically, I caught the first reception in, <laughs> in in that league. We had a Thursday night game, and, and the first pass was to me. And this is even better irony. The coach of the team that I did it against was the Portland Storm, and Dick Corey was their head coach, and he became the wide receivers coach for the Philadelphia Eagles Wow! through that tryout. And he remembered me from the World League. And, uh, you know, that had a great impact on one of the reasons why I made the team. So, you know, the rest you can pick up in the movie. Uh, and, and that's where they brought it in, where I was I was trying out and I was a part time a bartender and a, and a substitute teacher at that time because the World Football League had folded and I needed I needed the job. I was in debt. And uh, and then Coach Ramil came in in, in April of 1976 and he had that. Uh, that free agent tryout that everybody talks about. And we talked, we saw in the movie and, and that's how it all got started. And then I wound up making the team got voted captain the next year. And I got four years in and the last laugh, you know, with a pension. So it was pretty cool. 
So oh. that's it. That, that's my elevator speech. And, you know, so many people were, were a part of my life and, 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 you know, and, and I, I'm just so grateful that I had a lot of supportive people around me, especially at the time when I was in my youth and really struggling, uh, doing poorly in the classroom, but it was athletics that was my release. And then coaches and teach, excuse me, teachers. And that's why I was so proud uh, to be a teacher at my alma mater. If I didn't make the Eagles, people said it was too risky. I would have just completed my master's and gone back to teach. And that would have been just fine. But Saturday night, I'm going to be with about 50 kids, 50 young men. Now they're not young men, Craig, but some of grandfathers, some of them. But I'm going to be coaching. I'm going to be uh, there with them, and I'm going to be giving an award out to uh, one of my assistant coaches for for his excellence. He hung on and coached in this area for over 45 years. So I'm going to be with all my boys on Saturday night. I'm really <laughs> excited about it. I love that. I, I think, sir, what uh, or Vince, I'm sorry, what makes your uh, story so special, to be honest with you, is it encapsulates everything that America's about. Um, you mentioned like your father being so hardworking and um, especially after the depression, what he had to go through. And then your mother with mental illness issues. I mean, I have family members that same thing, you know, and there's, it sucks because there's nothing you can do to help. You know, you wish you could, but you just have to basically just watch and hope for the best. And then you mentioned your friends that are in Vietnam and then, you know, working multiple jobs, you know, and being a fan of the team. That's what makes your story so special to me is that you're just like everybody else from, from Philadelphia. You had that, same blue collar mentality and and it came to fruition and that's that's truly what caught my mind um when i watched the movie the first time um was that this is a normal guy who just you know had guts and in the face of i don't know how many adversities he had in his life he just decided to put it on the line and and take a chance and like you said encouraged by a lot of people i'm your friends had a lot to do with it your your role models your teachers your parents and um and i, I think that's what makes your story so special sir it really is incredible to me like you know you think about how many people had to spend their lives trying to get to the NFL? And, you know, you did it at 30. <laughs> that's, that's well, beautiful. yeah, it was you know, it never been done before. And I, Danny, the, cra the crazy thing is people say, you know what you just did? I said, no. I said, you're the only person, the first person that's ever done that. I said, really? I, I didn't know that. You know, I just I just got a shot. And, you know, this this picture right behind me, you, you see there, that that's Coach Ramil at the uh, – that was back in uh, 2006 at the premiere of the movie in New York City, really, you know, at the Ziegfeld wow. Theater. And uh, that picture there is with me and coach on the field uh, doing a promo for something. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that guy gave me the shot. But here, here's, a, here's a beautiful thing. When I was trying out for the team, I would, they were busting me pretty good. You know, they, they being the, the other side. And there's no social media. There's none of this. You know, if you're going to get buoyed, or at least they have the guts to buoy you to your face. Or, or maybe through right. a secondary, you know. But at least you could deal with it. But, uh, you know, they were, hey, you're too old. It's never been done before. You're 30 years old. You didn't play college football. So I go back to George Corner. Dick Vermeil wasn't in my life at that point. And I went back to Coach Corner, and I said, what do you think, Coach? Should I give it a shot? He said, you'll never forgive yourself if you don't. He said, you're, you know, you're a season ticket holder. If you ask me, I, I know what kind of an athlete you are. You could probably give them a run for the money. And he gave me this quote, and I use it all the time when I go out to speak. It's happier those who dream dreams and are willing to pay the price to make them come true. And the question is, and he said, are you willing to pay the price? You know, it's not going to be easy. Uh, when's the last time you've been to a pro training camp? 
And um, so I busted my ass, man. I got up every morning at six o'clock in the morning. I ran a couple of three miles. I got a, a kid that was a quarterback when I was coaching in high school. I got him. He got up in the morning, would throw the ball to me. And, uh, and, and then I was ready for that tryout, you know, and, and uh, not knowing what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, there it was. And, and you know, I went to training camp. It was legendary. We had six preseason games. It was a almost 10-week training camp. And uh, we were laughing about it the other day. You know, you say, you were surviving Dick from Mill training camp. You could survive anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like military uh, military uh, camps. But, hey, you know, it, 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 I never looked at it as being anything that just a, a, an opportunity, you know, and a chance. And if I didn't make it, I, I was just going to go back and, and uh, finish my master's and teach school. Wow. Yeah. And um, there's a part in the movie that uh, you kind of mentioned right now where you, you mentioned like busting your ass. And uh, and for those who don't know, and you should, but the movie we're talking about is Invincible, which is the story of the person we're talking to today, the legendary Vince Papali. But uh, there's a part where it always stuck with me. It's very subtle, but it just very stuck with me. It's like where they show Wahlberg portraying you and he's running and he's getting ready for the tryout and whatnot. Um, and then he comes home and he takes like a 10 second break and he realizes like, I, I got to keep going harder. And like, you just go back outside and run again. Like, I think, I don't know exactly what year the movie came out, but when I saw that I was like playing ball all the time and like, I would use that scene as motivation. I really would. Cause I remember there's times where I'm running and I want to stop and I'm like, I'm fucking done. And soon I would think about that scene. Like Papali was done too. And he kept going. I swear it was like a huge, it's a subtle scene, but it always like somehow stuck with me. Well, you know, it, it really was a great scene, and I and I appreciated them the way they put it in there. And it's basically this way, like you said, when you, you know you're stopping running, uh, they always say, you know, uh, what do you what do you do when nobody's watching? You know, so who who is it that's going to motivate you? There's you know you don't have to. There's there's no film on it. You know, they're not they're not getting it on film, not getting it on video. We didn't have video back then; it was film, and uh, or the coach wasn't watching. You know, who was watching? Me. I was watching. And, 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 you know, and I had such high demands of myself. I had such high demands of the kids that I coached in high school football and track. And they were champions. A lot of them went into this service. You know, some of one of, one of them actually, uh, was ahead of, uh, was ahead of the, the, um, the airstrikes right after 9 11. Wow. And he, yeah, he's coming in from Sweden just for this event, which is, you know, so you just don't know, you don't know the impact you're going to make on people, but the biggest impact you can make on, 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 on yourself is yourself and, and never give up. And and I just always would think that somebody's watching. And that's when I was telling the screenwriter who was uh, Brad Gann, who wrote the yes, Oscar De La Hoya story. And he had a couple of movies that were, that were made. And I and I told him, and you know, and that's how he transformed that and made that scene. It's almost like coming up to a red light. You know, have you ever seen when you're when when you're out in the road or you're walking? You know, you're out there in in Cali or I'm in Philly here, and there's the joggers going on, and then there's a red light and they stop. Well, if, if that were me, I didn't stop for that red light. I would just run in circles. You know, I just kept running, you know, because I wanted to get my heart rate up and I had to keep the cardio going. And then boom, I would just sprint across the street and then get down to my, you know, whatever, six, eight, six, seven, eight minute mile pace that I was running. But, you know, it's, it's what do you do when people aren't watching? And, um, you, you know, it's really easy to cheat yourself, but uh, you got to live with yourself as well. So, you know, that's that was always my philosophy. Right. <clears throat> and it's, it's a it's a perfect philosophy. It's not and it's not only what you do when when uh no one's watching it's when people are 
not believing you know, when they're rooting against you. There's a scene in the movie, and then, um, and you can tell me if it's if it was indicative of something that was real, but like um, where you got the letter from your ex-wife that was yeah. telling you everything wrong with you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, and I I think that's I think that's incredible because I think everyone, whether they have a letter or don't have a letter, thinks people think that about them in some way or not. Someone they think someone specifically thinks that about them, and they probably use it as fuel in your life. But yeah, tell us tell us about that. Well, you know, basically all it is, it's a metaphor. We've all gotten that letter. We've all been told that we weren't good enough to do something, whether it's from, uh, you know, a spouse, whether it's from a a relationship, whether it's a friend or maybe your boss, whatever it might be. You know, at some point you're going to get fired, you know, using, using that as the word. And, you know, it just happened. It was I was doing my thing and she was doing her thing and we just weren't the, we weren't a good match, you know, and. Uh, but it was quite a shock. I wasn't prepared for it. And actually, it didn't happen when I came back from uh, from running, but it happened when I came back from coaching a high school football game. And um, when my in my rookie year and, and second year, that was. And um, I was uh, I, I came home. I was all excited because we beat this team and they were one of the top teams in the county. And I, and I, yo, and <laughs> there were echoes, you know, and I'm like, holy shit, what's up? What's going on here, man? And there's no furniture. And there was that note, you know, you'll never go anywhere. You'll never, you never make a name for yourself. You'll never make any money. So, and, you know, it's called, basically, it's, it's called the last laugh. So, you know, you, you get the last laugh. And, and, and I got that last laugh. And it is what it is. And I use that as an impetus. And, and, uh, and I use it sometimes when I'm talking to groups, and I use that as the metaphor that we've all gotten that letter. You know, it doesn't make a difference from whom we've all gotten it, or it's all it's always happened to us. So um, it's all good, right? Um, when you got that first experience with the Philadelphia Eagles, was there any moment of uh, starstruckness, or were you just ready to go to war like this? Is, um, this or Big time, man. That's a great question. And rarely do I get asked that question, Danny, because with the first week of training camp, and we started training camp before the 4th of July, by the way, and uh, and Coach Ramil was so funny because he's a West Coast guy, you know, and he, he doesn't really understand Philly yet. You know, he doesn't know that Philly is the birthplace of our nation. So it was the bicentennial of, you know, 76 is our bicentennial for crying out loud. And there's planes flying all over the place. And where we had training camp, Widener College was only um, maybe five or six miles from the airport, you know, and there's fireworks going on. And he's like, what the hell is going on here? You know, but anyway, that first, that, that it was hilarious. So that first week at training camp, we're just rookies and free agents. And, and I was the free agent and, you know, I'm 30 years old and that's where they got the pops thing, you know, because of all these kids that are there, they're, 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 they're these guys coming in, but uh, they didn't understand my style of play it was a little bit different as a wide receiver. And I just blew up anybody that had a different color Jersey. <laughs> and uh, regardless, you know, if the play was a sweep on the left-hand side and I had a cornerback on my right, uh, you know, I would just, I would just sort of slant over to the left and the cornerback would just jog across, maybe thinking he'll get into the play if the running back cuts back. And then I would just wipe the guy out and that pissed him off. Uh, but here's, and, and, I, and that was my, and, it, and they loved it. Vermeil loved it. And, you know, but it, my, the defensive backs obviously didn't. That's why they, hey, you know, you might, that one where you might want to think about lightening up a little bit, you know, and I, my thought was, hey, dude. You know, if you don't want me to hit you, just get away from me. You know, I'll let you <laughs> first, you know, but I'm I'm going after you. And I'm trying to make this team. But I was a season ticket holder for 10 years. 
So when the veterans came in after that first week and they cut out some of the dead the dead wood or the driftwood there, uh, and, and I look and I look across and I see Billy Bradley, who's like my idol. I see Bill Berge, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now on the field with Harold Carmichael, you know, I'm one with there. Roman Gabriel was the quarterback in the, uh, in the minicamp. And I trained with them for three months in the off season after I signed my contract after the playoffs, my $21,000 contract, by the way, <laughs> but I was in such awe. And that was exactly the word, awe, A-W-E uh, of those guys that I pulled back. And and I I didn't slam him, you know. I was like some of the other guys that I was slamming. And then Coach came to me noticeably, and he says, "What? what you're you're not just what's going on?" I I and I told him I was honest with him. As coach, I said, "I mean, these guys are my idols." He says, "You're idols, you're idols." And there's that scene, you know. Hey, we were two and twelve last year. Actually, we were four and uh, they they were three and thirteen. And Coach wasn't there, of course. Uh, Mike McCormick was the coach. These guys are your idols. He said, Jesus Christ. He said, half of them are going to be gone after training cancer or half of them are going to be gone after a couple of weeks. They're not going to be able to keep up with what I've got going for him. And I said, he says, you either get your head out of your rear end or you're gone. He says, I'll give you a couple of three weeks. He says, I like what I see. You can play in this league. Uh, yes, sir. And uh, that was <laughs> my mouth shut and I started hitting the vets. And that, oh my God, I was not very popular in the locker room or also in the dining room. You know, I mean, there were guys were, they were just at me all the time, you know, and then they started doubling up on me. And and then a couple of my guys that were doing the same thing I was doing, we we, we formed our own little group, our, our own little quorum. And, you know, we, we took care of each other. And uh, that, And then eventually in the fourth preseason game of the year, it gets the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I wound up with five catches and a couple, a couple blocks, a couple knockdowns. I separated a punt return, and uh, the next morning in in the film study, Vermeil showed Coach Vermeil showed a a video of of my play the night before, and he said, "This guy doesn't belong here, but you know what? He's going to make this team." Wow. And he, yeah, and that's when I, I I went absolutely crazy. So, but then we still had two more preseason games. And when you know at the last preseason game, I sprained my ankle. And mm -hmm. but I'll forget Paul Krause was against the Minnesota Vikings and Paul Krause, a Hall of Famer now. Uh he he also had gotten injured and we were going into the Viking locker room or the Viking uh, exit tunnel at the same time at the uh, stadium, Municipal Stadium in Minnesota. And he says, 83, he says, hey, listen, dude, man, I really like your style of play. Good luck to you. I hope you make the team. And this was coming from a guy that was one of the top safeties in, in the NFL. Wow. And what, what you know, just, you know, you, you talk about exclusion, inclusion. Uh, man, uh, th this guy just included me in, in his world. And what a difference that made that somebody, that was the first time I ever had uh, one of my adversaries tell me that I, that I, I belong. You know, because, you know, I just wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to put anybody down. I wasn't trying to show anybody up. I was just trying to make the goddamn team. man. That's, <laughs> you, know, well, you, know, you know what? I think that's God. a genius. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just said, you know, and Vermeil, you know, Coach Vermeil just gave me that shot. Yeah. And I think that's the genius of uh, Coach Vermeil is the way he said it. Um, it's funny, you know, the way he says it is like, well, you, you better do this or you're cut. Like, you better show up. Like, I don't care if you hit him, you hit him. But it's indicative of a, of a larger way of saying it. What he really was give, doing was giving you tough love, was saying that you're capable of being with these guys. Don't put them on a pedestal. You can play with them. That's really what he was saying, just saying it in a more tough love style, which I think is great. Um, and it's tremendous. And I, the one thing I think is I don't, I don't know if you can really teach um, 
a mentality like the one that you have when it comes to football. It's specific to football for some reason. I mean, like you can teach in other sports, but like there's four or five that looks smooth. There's a person who can run four or five smooth. Like when you ran a four or five, I've looked at your highlights and the way they portray in the movie, and it's like a violent four or five. It's reckless four or five. It's different. You can't teach. You can't teach that. It's it's different, and and especially in football where it's mostly instincts and you can't hesitate to make a move when you have to. Um, do you think that was just natural in you, or like you kind of just developed it over time, just from your childhood circumstances and and from your role models and whatnot? Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting you say that, and that's a great observation on your part because, um, you know, my events in track and field, I, I got to co- I got to college, and this this leads into what you were just saying. Uh, you know, I got to college on a pole vault scholarship, but the first thing the coach said, you're not just going to pole vault. You're going to do this, this, that, and the other thing. And I wound up doing five events for every dual meet for St. Joe's. And uh, I'd still, I actually still have the, um, I still have the league record that will never be broken because the league's no longer there anymore, the Mid-Atlantic Conference. But I, I, I not only pole vaulted, so that's running downfield with a pole in your hand violently and then coming to a really abrupt ending and going up. Um, and then I was a, I was a hurdler. So three steps, three steps, you know, a high hurdler. Um, I did get a chance to uh, just show my pure speed. And that was in the, the 440 relay. And I was a leadoff man, but I was also a long jumper and a triple jumper. So you're, you're coming down and you're looking and then all of a sudden, boom, you're lifting. And, you know, so that's a pretty good observation. So there's no different than running downfield and, and your target is either where the, where you're going to plant the pole. It, it's the, it's the takeoff board for the, for the long jump, triple jump. It's clearing the hurdle, whatever it is, you know, there's going to be something that's going to be at the end. It's going to be violent because you're going full speed. And then all of a sudden you're landing, you're, 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 you're trying to gather yourself and go over another hurdle. You're dropping from 15 or 16 feet. And that's, that's, you know, I had a couple of concussions doing, I mean, what, what the hell happens to you when you get up there, you're 15 and a half feet and a gust of wind comes and you're like a kite, you're hanging there. So we used to, we used to, we actually had a drill where we used to learn how to ride the pole down and and get down to the ground. So, so you're not now. So when the pole is going into the, into the pit where they call it the pit. and, And when it goes right into the pit, um, you're another 15 or 16 feet back. Because you're, you know, you have to learn how to abort the, the, the process of, of going through the vault and then working your way back and sliding around the pole. And just, and it was sort of cool. It's almost like somebody's coming in and they're, you know, they're coming in with the, with a parachute. You know how the parachutists come in and, and they don't just land. <laughs> You know, you see, you see the seals and you see, uh, you know, all the guys coming in and they come and they, and they start running as they land. And that's basically what the, the kind of thing we did. So, Hey, you know, it was a violent ending. My job was, I had one job and that was to get the other guy in the team. You know, I didn't get into the game too much to be a wide receiver. Uh, but you know what? In life, you got to understand what your role is and play it with passion and enthusiasm and just go all out every time you get an opportunity. And that's the way I looked at it. It was lucky, man. I was playing in the NFL. I was getting $21,000 a year. Are you kidding me? What's better than that? <laughs> Nothing better. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure your mentality had a lot to do with, uh, just the boys, you know, that's my favorite part of the movie, like whether how often you guys did it or not, but just playing football with the guys and, and the oh, how, yeah. how brutal it was. I mean, I guarantee you there was a huge increase of kids going back and teenagers and adults going back and playing rough touch football 
just after that movie. I know when me and my friends, we did. We couldn't walk. <laughs> we went to this park in my hometown in, a, in Whittier called the West Day Park, and we would play like every Saturday. Okay. Every Saturday, we couldn't wait. And I remember one kid brought metal cleats. We're like, the, the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> we can't even tackle you. <laughs> He's cleaning. He's like, I play baseball. We're like, well, buy some new cleats, you cheap ass. This is crazy. Like, it was just yeah. it was fun, but it brought it back. It felt like a, even as simple as just a game as, touch, or as tackle football with your buddies, it 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 brought us way closer, the camaraderie. Like, we were, we felt like tougher after not like in an egotistical way but we felt like man like i was kind of nervous about today i'm gonna get hit hard you know and i have no pads i got nothing and like it's over and i'm okay and i i love my friends and brothers even more after today so it's uh i'm sure that had a lot to do with your mentality going into that too because you know your 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 friends and your peers and your brothers their their opinion of you matters more than probably someone on the football team and you probably just didn't know it at the time so if you gain their approval through all that you know rough touch football then then it probably made the transition to making the Eagles a little bit easier. Well, it was, uh, I got knocked around pretty good in the reserve because, you know, I was the fastest guy out there and, and they do whatever they could, whatever they could to take me out. So, you know, a lot of it was avoidance, but you know, there, the, you, you mentioned, you know, the camaraderie of it all, you, you know, and, and the friends that you, you, um, you, you get. And just uh, this past couple of nights ago, when I was with coach Ramil and I'm with Howard Carmichael, you know, I'm with Ron Jaworski, Carmichael in the hall of fame, coach Ramil now in the hall of fame. And with a couple of my other buddies, you know, special teams guys and those that are from other years, you know, beyond past me or before me. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's that there's that respect that everybody has for each other. And, and that and, and that leads me to this is that, you know, playing playing sports and being a coach and being in football and all that kind of stuff. And my wife, Janet, who's portrayed as a Giants fan, but was a world class gymnast and a coach, university coach at the University of Pennsylvania. You know, we look at we, we those relationships, we, we look at them, at, we look at life to a locker room because we're all one, you know, regardless of where you come from, whatever your color, you know, whatever your religion, whatever anything is, we're all one. And, and we embrace each other and we have one goal and one goal in mind. And, and that's to be the best we can be and also win, you know, achieve what is expected of us in that locker room. And in that, that those bonds that you get in the locker room live forever. And, you know, I was retired in 1980. So I don't, I don't know if I can, I, I taught business math, but you know, that's been a few years ago that, that I stepped onto that field, but still it was just like, you know, I met Harold and we had our secret shake, you know, with all that stuff going on back in 76. And we did the same thing just the other night, but he had his hall of fame coat on. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned those names because I, I've looked up um, things that they've had to say about you, Harold and Jaworski and Herm Edwards and, and whatnot. And um, it's it's interesting to see how, how they phrase you as like the face of the franchise. Like, like he really was our face. Is he really was everything to us? He was our Rocky. Like you know, Rocky had just came out. That's how the movie time. started? Yeah, That's how the movie started thanks to Rocky. Right. It's unbelievable. And I mean, I saw some really cool footage of you um, where they showed you running in Philly like during that time and yeah. up the steps. And um, man, that's what what a crazy climb to be to be considered that at that time. I Like I said, I, I can't imagine how much that meant to people because the Eagles in general just meant a lot to people. It was a different time where there's no social media. Um, this is a very blue collar town and the losses weren't just losses. They really affected, you know, yeah. people's morale and whatnot. 
Well, we we needed it, you know. As they say, we we're in the throes of a of a of a great depression, and and there was a lot going on. Vietnam was going on. You know, it was really cool though when you were saying about what other guys were saying. It, it's it, this the, one of the greatest experiences happened to me uh, ever. You know, my daughter and I. Um, she she's she's been with me a lot. You know, with different things when people say certain things. But when Coach Vermeil got inducted, and and Gabrielle was there with us, and we were out in Canton, Ohio. Um, we had all the Eagles group and a lot of the alumni were all together in in the same hotel. And whatever we were doing, we would all close out and we would go into this common room and just, you know, I mean, it would just be flowing, you know, and the stories would start happening. And my son, Vinny, who's playing in the USFL, um, was there and and guys with my idols and some guys that I didn't even really know all that much came up and they would see Vinny and they said, you know what your old man was? And they would start, they would start telling wow. stories. And I'll, I'm not that guy, you know, I'm not going to do this with my kids, you know, you, you can read about it, they can go to YouTube, they can do this or that. But to see the, um, the to see the pride in their eyes and, and to have these guys say this in front of me to my son. And then just the other night, we were all introduced, you know, the MC, we're, we were sprinkled around, all of us alums were sprinkled around at the sponsors' tables. And, my, and Vinny, he actually got a chance to host a sponsored table. So when he introduced everybody and then all of a sudden, oh, we forgot one. And here Coach Vermeil, um whispered over to I, probably that's why he just called, because I just thanked him. I just found out he was the guy that whispered to the guy that was running the event to whisper up to the guy who was the MC. Hey, don't forget Vinny Papau is in the audience. And they introduced my son. And I'll tell you, he might have gotten the biggest applause of anybody there because wow. they saw him as the dreamer. And it, it's, you know, you, you just, these little things that mean so much and, um, Hey, listen, you know, I did what I did and, and, you know, I, you know, I try to be a good dad, try to be a great husband and, you know, but that, that, that meant so, so much to me. And now my daughter, Gabby and I, we just, we just recorded our first episode of gabbing with invincible. So I'll, I'll send you some information if you get it out, but uh, you know, it's going to be millennial point of view from the boomer. You know, I've got my perch up there, my Eagle's nest from back in the day. And I have, we, you know, we, we don't see eye to eye sometimes on the way things go, but we do have that middle line. So uh, we, we did our first episode yesterday. So and it's really cool to team up with her and, you know, just, just Vinny today, you know, calling me there. Hey dad, I just got done my workout, you know, and I asked him to pick something up for me and you just want to make sure he did the right thing. It's pretty cool. I love it. No, I'll definitely share that as much as possible. Once I put this out and whatnot, um, just a few more questions for you, Vince. I, I, what would be if you had any, if you could pick one, cause I know there's a lot, but if you could pick one of your favorite memories, um, on the field playing as an Eagle. I mean, um, you're wearing the shirt and I know that's, that's a huge part of the special teams pride for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I, there's a that really cool clip where you're putting up your shirt and you're showing the who's nuts shirt. And I think, I think that's awesome. What was like, if you had to pick one, you know, on the field experience that that was like your favorite moment. Well, probably um, after in the movie, uh, they, you know, they have the, that they have the Cowboys game. They I mean, sort of pretty much portrayed that I screwed up. I, I really didn't that much. Um, that that first play, actually, when I covered the first kickoff, I was in, excuse me, I was in just such awe of being out on the field with all these all pro guys and guys that I'd watched on TV and hated, you know, the Cowboys <laughs> years. Now, you know, I got guys like Drew Pearson, you know, Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith and Moose Johnson, you know, these guys are all my buddies now, you know, I mean, it's so cool. 
but uh, you know, uh, I, I was I was just in total awe, and that's, I, I wasn't you know I wasn't intimidated. I, I, just, I was nervous as hell. I could hardly breathe, and, and uh, you know. So anyway, we got through that game, and then I come back, and, and then we had that first home game, and just the uh, when they introduced the offense, and, and they said, and the remainder of the Philadelphia Eagles, I just sprinted down field. Like I had, I was, I was a leadoff man in our 440 relay. And I, and I got to the, I got to the goal line, the opposite goal line. And I look up and I pointed up and I was pointing up to my dad and, and all my buddies that I had season tickets with, and then went and the first, the, the first play was a kickoff and I made the hit. And then I made another hit. And then I had another hit. I had four or five solos in that first game, but the one was the one at the end in the movie, which, uh, which was what they thought was a winning touchdown. They actually brought it back. Uh, they said it was a muff, but we scored on the next play. So, but it led, we got to possession. Um, but you know, it was really cool, Danny. I got invited to my first team party, my wow. first team party. So those guys that I was talking about, you know, the Burgies, the Bunnings, the Carmichaels, all these were all together at, at a team party. And I was invited having a beer with my idols. That was one of the greatest moments of a lifetime. And then, I got this T-shirt and I got the first Who's Nuts T-shirt from Kenny Hyman, our, our coach, our special teams coach. He was in the NFL for like 90 years. He was crazy, man. We loved him. And he used to give these T-shirts out to us. It was a game ball for a special teamer for making a big hit. And I got the first ever Philadelphia Eagle Who's Nuts T-shirt. So they're on my, you, you can get them, you know, go to my website if you want them and I'll get them out to you. But uh, anyway, I'm I'm pretty proud of it. So that's what the Who's Nuts is at. So that's, that's the long, that's the long of a very short story. It was that play. And then uh, another big moment was when I got voted um, a, a man of the year, you know, for my charity events. So eventually it was me and Roger Staubach and uh, Archie Manning uh, were the final three. And I was out in Chicago with all these, again, all these idols of mine, and, I, and I'm there with them. And then finally, when the fans just voted me the uh, the top special teamer in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. So oh, wow. I'll, I'll, I'll lump them all together, you know, but I'll say that one hit that, you know, making that uh, getting my first team party and finally feeling accepted by them was pretty special. Wow. Well, that's crazy, sir. Well, you know, there's there's a uh, Stevie Van Buren. There's all these legendary Eagles. There's Tom McDonald, but there's there's Vince Vapali. And it does there's a yeah. huge place in Philadelphia Eagles fans, you know, hearts for, for, for you. And it's, it's incredible. Um, last, last question for you, Vince, if there's a, uh, one thing you could, uh, you could tell to those kids out there that have aspirations like you did, um, you can give them a, a few pointers on their, on their way across their journey. What, what would you tell them? Well, you know, I, I would pretty much tell them what my high school coach, coach corner called me uh, told me. And then for any of those that, that were impacted by somebody as much as I was impacted by them, make sure you reach out to them. You know, I, I was, uh, I did something the other night and I was thinking the other day and I, I, I just called coach corner and, and I said, Hey coach, how you doing? Is everything okay? Everything okay, Vinny? I said, yeah, everything's just great coach. I just want to let you know. I'm not sure the last time I told you, but I really love you. <laughs> I just, thank you. You know, just thank you. I, I did something really cool the other day and I never would have done it because you were there for me when I needed you the most. And uh, so do that, you know, that's, that's maybe that's the greatest advice to, I could give to anybody uh, to the kids out there for the dreamers out there. That's what invincible is all about. It's about the impossible dream. There's going to be those that'll tell you that you're off to your rocker, that it's never going to happen for whatever reason, just believe in yourself, be humble, 
uh, and surround yourself with good people. I think that's really, really important. Uh, and not people that are just going to say the things that you want to hear them say, but make sure that they're the really good people around you that you know that what they're saying is really true. You know, you don't want them just to feed you all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, just just work your tail off. Work harder than the other person. I I, I wasn't the best athlete out there on the field. I wasn't the best receiver, but I was the hardest worker on the team. And I have another T-shirt that says, you know, no pain, no gain without pain. You know, and I was the first eagle to get that given to me by Coach Vermeil because of my offseason training program. And so work harder than the other person and, and uh, you know, have fun. Uh, respect your opponent. Don't put your opponent down. Stay away from social media. You don't need social media. And uh, you just be yourself, you know, and be kind to everybody. And look at life through a locker room because we have one goal and one goal in common, and that's to be respectful to everybody that we meet. And and that's I think that's the best advice I give anyone. And regardless, regardless athlete or not, you know, let, let's just love people, be a hugger, respect people for what they are and what they believe and who they are. And uh, hey, if they don't agree with you, fine. But uh, you know, there's no need to have to put them down. Just accept them for 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 what they are, and then just move on. So that's my advice. But more than anything, have fun. And oh, yeah, keep your head up. No helmet to helmet, okay? <laughs> the game's changed a lot, man. But look at all, look at all this stuff around here. You know, Vinny, Vinny put all this. I'm looking over there. There's there's my there's Janet's stuff from her gymnastics days from they were given her by the Olympic team. And you know, it, it's cre- it's really crazy, man. I tell you what, it, it's it's I can't believe it. I'm still pinching myself, Danny. <laughs> crazy. I love it. Vince Papali, this has been an amazing time for me. Um, your words really hit home for me for a lot of things that you had to say. Uh, you have been a huge inspiration to me for for many years. Um, just the way you, you smile and light up now, still as at the age you're at now, you know, still thinking about it. It's it's inspiration for me still. Like I want to be that, you know, humble and excited when I'm that age too, you know, about the things that I did in the past and whatnot. So um, I truly appreciate your time. This has been an amazing experience for me. And uh, thank you for everything, sir. Hey, thanks, Danny. Thanks for getting up so early in the morning. And uh, anybody come on down to South Jersey, give me a call, man. I'm around. So you absolutely, can, you better show me the good South pizza Jersey. spot. Oh my God, I'm, I'm South Jersey. Heck, I'm so I'm talking South Florida. So <laughs> I go fly, baby. We're still number one. So uh, you know, tough loss Monday night. And, I, and for you people in Buffalo, I feel so sorry for you. Oh my <laughs> God. Jesus, they had to move the game to Detroit. I don't know if you heard it, but they just moved the game to Detroit. They so. did, yeah, they did. Actually, let me let me ask that one more question. What do you think about the Eagles this year? Do you think they're going to make it? Well, I think they're going to get deep into the playoffs. You know, I'm pretty excited. They, uh, they've really done well, you know, bringing in AJ Brown made such a big difference and, and Jalen Hurts worked so hard in the offseason to to perfect his skills and and learn the nuances of the game, you know. And he's fine. He's into his third year, and 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 he's really um, he's really becoming an accomplished quarterback. So you know, they uh, gave that. I don't think they gave the Redskins enough credit offensively and played a little soft in the beginning of the game last week, except for that first their first sack, you know. And then and then I get I, I don't know what happened, but uh, you know they let the quarterback get into a rhythm, but. And they came back, you know, some nasty calls, but you got to deal with it, man. You know, they don't make excuses when they when you win, so you can't make excuses when you lose. You got to right. play the game, whatever whatever's given you. You got to overcome it, and make sure you get it done. So, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll be all right. And uh, I'm real excited about the game coming up this week. I'll be with Vinny and I'll be with a bunch of his college teammates from the University of Delaware and and some of his high school buddies. We'll all be together Sunday watching the game together. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I will awesome. be wearing my Who's Nuts t-shirt. Hell so, yeah. And I can't wait uh, to buy that shirt. Hell and- yeah. Let's go, right? <laughs> let's go, Danny. Let's exactly. go. Man. You're um, great. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You, you, your, your, your research and your introspection and your questions were phenomenal. And I, I just want to I want to commend you and, and give you a five-star rating for that. You did a great job, Danny, and I really appreciate it. And also, I appreciate you being a little bit patient with me this morning. Got an unexpected visit from some repairmen who were <laughs> promised they'd be out by 1030, and they, they, they fulfilled their promise. So I appreciate you being patient with me. Uh, I appreciate the kind words, Mr. Papali. That's like... That's why I keep going when I when I get words like that. So I appreciate it. Um, do me one favor. Tell the people where they can find your website, uh, social media, and where they can stay in contact with you and follow anything new, including the podcast with your daughter. All right, I'm really uh, real excited about first of all podcast. We'll do it. I'm on all the social medias. You know, I'm with Facebook. I on Twitter it's eighty three Invincible. Instagram Invincible eighty three. Um, VincePapelli.com is, is my website. You can get a hold of me that way. I've got a book out there. It's called The Last Laugh. Uh, the guy in the movie, uh, Dennis Franks, that said, hey, man, you got to read your knuckles. He's a real one. I lost wow. him 16 months ago. Uh, he's up there smiling at me right now. But if it weren't for him, I never would have. He was too old. He was too small. I was too old. Went to Michigan. And he was our long snapper. So, you know, we got that book there. But, you know, more than anything, uh, just everybody have a have a really wonderful Thanksgiving and, and, and a tremendous holiday. No matter what you celebrate, just celebrate. Celebrate life and celebrate people in general and walk up to people and give them a hug and tell them how much, how much you love them. I mean, we, we need more of that in our world right now. Couldn't agree more. Ms. Papali, thank you again. You're welcome, Danny. Let's go. All- yes, sir. This has been Alton Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Our interview with the Philadelphia Eagles legend himself, Vince Papali. I told you it was awesome, man. Uh, the dude is an absolute, absolute icon, man. I was so happy to talk to him and um, you know, and get to get to hear what he had to say, man. Especially during this time with the Eagles doing so well. So Thank you guys all for stopping in. Um, I put all the links to Vince's stuff in the podcast description, including like his website where you can get autograph stuff, his book, you can get like uh, his shirt, you can get all kinds of stuff, dude. It's unbelievable, man. And you know, I think you can even connect with him too. You can send him an email, tell him that he's the best. You can do all, you can do whatever the hell you want, man. But what a great time! Thank you again, Vince, for stopping in. Thank you guys all for listening. I really appreciate it. This has been Alton Take, and I'll see you guys later. Peace.